Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... early inception as a board game in the 1940s clue has been entertaining families at game nights worldwide for decades uh but today we're not actually here to talk about the board game clue we're here to solve a different mystery which is the movie adaptation of this board game a singular piece of comic history all its own um and something that uh, this is a phrase you'll see tossed about with this movie better than it has any right to be um it's way better than it has any right to be in fact this thing is incredibly witty and clever um it is i think easily one of the best whodunits ever made and uh, one of the most fun like spoofs of a whodunit ever made it's the perfect comedy mystery movie and it is a fitting capstone to our three episode arc covering the career of tim curry so i'm really excited to dig into this and I, i'm not doing it alone of course um he did it in the conservatory with the candlestick uh, ladies and gentlemen colonel rich baker <laughs> Thanks for having me as always, Doug. And uh, of course, my other co-host who did it uh, in the bedroom with the rope. Uh, she <laughs> Ooh, uh, my wife, Amy Leaf. Mi- Hello. Hello. You can be uh, you can be Miss Peacock. Um, you Scott. don't want me to be Miss White. That would be ominous for you. Probably. Yeah, she yeah, she doesn't. Uh, her husbands don't fare so well. <laughs> right. Um, so, guys, uh, let's start digging into Clue here. Um, Rich, I think this was your idea to do Clue. I know we tossed this one around for a while. Or was it Amy's idea? All right. Well, I think it was Amy's idea. OK, well. Amy, I'll start with you then. Tell me about your nostalgic memories of Clue. All right. So this movie came to me through a friend in fifth grade. Um, She said it was her favorite movie, and it instantly became my favorite movie because I thought this was Christy, and I thought she was the coolest girl in the class, so I had to like everything that she liked. So we ended up watching the movie together, and I loved it ever since. I don't know. When I first watched it, I loved it because Christy loved it. But it's grown into one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, anytime it's on, I love it. I can quote it. Um, yeah. Just I, yeah. happy memories with this movie. And do you have any memories of the board game it's based on? Like, any? Did you have a strong association with it before you saw the movie? Or This was not a game that we played in my household. But I remember going to a friend's house, a different friend's house, and playing it a couple of times. But it really wasn't the game of our house. Our house was a sorry household. We were not a clue household. (laughs) It sounds worse than it is. (laughs) All right. Everyone, every household has a a game that they gravitate towards. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right, Rich, how about you? Tell me about your memories of Clue, both the movie uh, and the board game. 
I think I remember playing the board game before I saw the movie, uh, similar to Amy, at a friend's house. I don't think, uh, I mean, I, I was an only child, so we didn't really play games as a family. But uh, I remember going to a friend's house and his whole family was playing. He was like one of three brothers and the parents were playing and I was playing and it was like really, really fun. And uh, I don't know if the movie had already come out and I hadn't heard of it or what, but I just remember when like, I saw the movie uh, come on HBO, I was like, hey, that's like a game. And uh, I just, I watched it and wholly separate from the game, I liked the movie. I think a lot of the reason I liked the movie is because of the flow, the com the kind of comedy in this includes very different from like a Stripes or, you know, a Ghostbusters or so many other Amer typically American comedies. And it's just, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it later, but there's, there's something about like a young comedy uh, inner workings of my mind forming by listening, particularly to Tim Curry, but really the whole cast. Yeah. I, I definitely did not see this movie until adulthood. Um, I think I was barely aware it existed. I, I believe I saw it before I met you, Amy, but I definitely have watched it way more times since meeting you. Mm -hmm. um, I We did play the game. We had it in my household. Oddly enough, we had a second murder mystery board game called Who Done It, which I, I don't remember the mechanics of how it works, but I think by my impression having been so long since I've touched it is that it is a better game than clue and nobody knows it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I definitely played a lot of who done it as a kid, less clue, but we still had it. Um, and I was familiar with it and you're right, Rich, if this had hit me when I was about the same age that you saw, I would have instantly gravitated to it because it has its roots in stuff that I think was foundational to my sense of humor and what, how comedy works. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it as we get into the movie, but it is really, um, it's a screwball comedy, but it's also a farce. And farce is kind of uniquely, it's not uniquely British, but it's something that you, know, you see more of in British writing. So because of this very like, uh, the, the thing that makes a farce work is that it's this clockwork machine of like plot and comedy working together in a very like frenetic way. That's what I think makes this movie so special and unique. It's that, it's that flavor added on to the murder mystery of it that kind of takes it to this other level. Absolutely. Uh, the only other movie I can kind of think of that really hit me as a kid, kind of like this was airplane. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of different in timbre, but like the throwaway jokes and the quickness and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I had a Zucker feeling watching this as well they're like yeah there's there's yeah. some there's a little bit of that in there although the zucker stuff from like airplane and naked gun it's like you're taking that but you're sort of like almost winding the clock back to think more like those things roots like the marx brothers and like danny yeah. Kay and you know these much earlier um like almost vaudevillian forms of comedy and again combining because airplane is a lot of fun but it doesn't have a clockwork plot that it also has to do. And so like having it do all of those things at once makes this really unique and special. I feel like there was another whodunit type comedy that came out around the same time. Now I'm forgetting the name of it. But another like movie that tried to be like this or maybe this movie was making a farce of that movie. Is, another you, 80s like murder mystery yeah, comedy? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Does that sound familiar? I'm going to have to look it up after this this podcast. Oh, I'm sure there's more than one like comedy murder mystery movie, whether in the 80s or the 70s that preceded this. Yeah. Uh, it's I remember like wanting that movie to be as good as this movie, and it just doesn't hit quite the same. 
Yeah, yeah, this movie is it's so tightly written and perf- and and the performances are so good too. I mean, you we I mean, we've talked about Tim Curry obviously this a lot on this podcast. But again, in like you look at this guy's career and the things he's able to do and it's not just that like he's a great talent, like he's very you know, he's funny. He obviously is a good singer. He does musical stuff. We talked about Rocky Horror and Muppet Treasure Island where he sings. But it's the timing. It's the precision timing of every little thing he does. Because he's got like 50% more dialogue than everybody else combined in the Oh, movie. yeah. He carries the entire movie. But I would say that like 100%. while he stands out, the entire, like the movie exists because of the entire cast. And I'd say that like Madeline Kahn is the other standout. While they're all fabulous, like I think it's him and her that are kind of like mostly carrying the movie for me. Yeah. And Madeline Kahn, uh, she plays Mrs. White and and you know her from Mel Brooks stuff like Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles, like absolute comedy legend. Like one of the funniest. Oh, yeah. Certainly one of the the, like if you're looking like the pantheon of especially uh, female comedians, but like just just a powerhouse of comedy um, throughout her career. And she's great here. Like, I mean, she has some of the best lines and it just, you know, again, like as like almost a second lead, like she doesn't, I wouldn't say she mm-hmm. carries the entire thing the way Tim Curry does just simply because, you know, her, she's sharing so much right. um, compared to, to him. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, just, I can't wait till we eventually get to a Mel Brooks movie of hers on this podcast because I mean, what a legend. Truth. And either, I mean, I mean, we'll talk about all the characters, but I mean, uh, so you've got uh, her, you've got Martin Mull as Colonel Mustard, like a very like awesome underrated actor who's kind of like the glue in everything he's in. Yeah. Yeah, he has some fun. I lines. mean, Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, Christopher Lloyd. I mean, certainly a legend. We've talked about uh, Roger Rabbit on this show. But like, what an understated performance from him because you're so used to him playing these. I mean, this is this came out the same year as Back to the Future. Oh and, really? Yeah. So like, okay. think about career, you know, high for him, obviously, <laughs> and you know, and a you know, extremely like, you know, frenetic character compared to Professor Plum, who's actually pretty restrained. Yeah. And then of course, Michael McKeon, I mean, he's such a, you know, doing all the physical comedy and, and playing kind of, you know, changes his character at the end. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the, whole, the whole cast is just a bunch of all-stars. Yeah, there, there is one. There, so there's a couple of like alternate casting things I thought would be worth mentioning. So uh, Miss Scarlet, who is, uh, oh gosh. Leslie Ann Warren. Thank you, Leslie, Leslie, Leslie Ann Warren. Warren. She's great. Uh, it was not supposed to be Leslie Ann Warren. It was going to be Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, who also would have crushed it, but she uh, unfortunately was dealing with personal addiction problems at the time. So she chose mm. wisely to. She pulled out like it was like four days before the movie was supposed to shoot. They had to call in wow. Leslie Ann Warren. So for somebody who came in so late, like it's so impressive how well she does in the movie. Yeah. I mean, she's, you you never know. She's, yeah. Total professional. Seamlessly. So Susan Sarandon, as you called her. <laughs> she she definitely like has uh, Susan Sarandon vibes. Um, but the other uh, alternate casting stuff. So there was a British actor they wanted to use for uh, Tim Curry's part. I forget his name, but he passed away. So obviously he was off the table. Um, they were considering Rowan Atkinson, whose audiences know as Mr. Bean. He's also Zazu from The Lion King. But uh, uh, they went with Tim Curry because he was more famous mm-hmm. at the time, which I, I think that is the right call. And obviously Tim Curry crushes it. I want to see the alternate universe version where Roman Atkinson does it because I think he would equally crush it. He's, he's absolutely capable of doing what this movie calls for. 
And uh, it, I, yeah. I wish I could, uh, you know, I know they did a stage production of this movie. They adapted it for as a stage play. Like, I want to see Rowan Atkinson do this part in a stage play just so <laughs> I can see some footage of what it looks like. <laughs> nice. I uh, should also talk about uh, the behind the, the scenes. So it was uh, partially written by John Landis of American Werewolf in London fame. And he you know, cre- uh, directed the thriller video. Um, and But he worked on it with another guy who, oh my God, my, his name, the director, um, whose name escapes me, but he went on to direct my cousin Vinny. Jonathan Lynn. Jonathan Lynn, oh, thank fun. you. I also saw something about the behind the scenes where Tom Stoppard actually worked on the play for a while. Or and then he um, gave it back and said like he didn't want to work on it anymore and like returned the money that they had given him. I feel like there's wow. some stoppered influence in it in the script. Yeah, like, I don't you know, know how much writing. of it lasted. Yeah, it's hard to know what you know what who's responsible for what. Um, then another person who was I think tapped to work on the script. I don't know how much he contributed was Anthony Perkins from Psycho, uh, who plays Norman oh. Bates. Uh, was he it Perkins on? or Hopkins? Perkins, not Hopkins. No, I think it might have been. Well, we'll have to look it up. I'm pretty sure it's Anthony Perkins. But, some, well. there was, it was him and some other partner that had written some other movie. Apparently, we both read the same article yeah, we read the about an hour ago. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, great team behind behind the scenes, of course. And, um, yeah, I, I think we should get into it because this is going to be hard to, to do, honestly, because, again, of that clockwork nature of it. But we'll do our best to kind of go through it and talk about all the, like, notable kind of bits in it. Um, so we start the movie. It's, it is, uh, dark. It's night. Um, Tim Curry drives up to this creepy old mansion. He feeds the dogs, uh, and goes in and we, uh, we are told it's 1954 in New England. Um, and that will become important because communism and the Red Scare is a backdrop to this movie, uh, in a lot of ways. So that's important. Uh, and we meet Yvette, the French maid played by Colleen Camp. Who was mostly chosen for her physique is something else I read in an article, which you cannot deny. I mean, yeah, if you're casting for... Talented for, actress. Real talent. A lot of talent. Two, two types of talent. Two, two very big talents. Um, <laughs> she, you know, she is great in the movie, though. She is, I mean, she obviously brings a lot more than that. I heard that she actually auditioned in a French-made mm-hmm. outfit to kind of seal the yeah, deal. Yeah, we definitely Ooh. read the same article. Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> she... She's great. I mean, she's she is doing this cartoony French accent that is obviously fake, but she fits. I mean, it, it, you know, she fits into the role. She fits like the world of Clue. She doesn't feel out of place doing this kind of cartoony thing mm-hmm. because, as like as you see, like as you watch it, like there is a certain amount of like cartooniness to these performances. It, everything's kind of heightened just a little bit. It's a it's a you know it's not quite a fantasy, but there's a little bit of this like. You know, they're they're not quite. No one's acting naturally. They're they're again doing this very like '30s esque patter for dialogue and stuff. So, um, yeah, and and her bad for Jackson is justified later when we find out it's it's a put on accent and she's not actually French. You know, it's like like that's it's kind of it takes a skill to do something poorly in a way that would justify the character. I think. Yeah, uh, and so we start having our introductions to the various characters. We meet Colonel Mustard first. Um, they do this running gag, at, and then I think was it Mrs. White, Miss Scarlet. Uh, she she broke down, um, and she hitches a ride with Professor Plum, and we start layering in a few things. One, like the comedic sensibilities, is like because like Tim Curry before he comes in the house, he like steps in dog shit, and they it's subtle, but like as everybody kind of comes in, they all kind of go like they they notice it. They, they look check. at their shoes. Yeah, yeah, like just kind of 
you know, let us know like, okay, this is a comedic movie. Like it's not going to be like a, a true, like Agatha Christie novel. Um, yeah. We also noticed that like Madeline Kahn uh, knows Yvette and we find out that everyone is using a pseudonym. None of these are their real names. And little other yeah, little known fact is like their cars match their piece color in the game. Did you read that little fact? I too? didn't. I, I, Cause you know, I was thinking to myself as I watch it, like, you know, it is kind of like nobody is dressed in the colors. Yeah. I thought it was like Miss Scarlet, like Miss White, like you would expect their colors to match, but apparently the cars are the, where it comes in. I'm, I mean, there had to have been a conversation at some point when they're thinking about costuming, like, should we dress them in the colors? Mm-hmm. But I think it, it would it would be it would work, but it would also be like, well, we we are immediately told these are pseudonyms, and like I guess you could have it where the letter also told them to dress that way, but I, th- I think it makes more sense for these people to like like they're they're not trusting of this. They wouldn't come in a yeah you know they wouldn't purposefully dress to match the name they were arbitrarily given. Mm-hmm. Um, and we yeah we we now uh, meet we really kind of get to meet Tim Curry through his introduction to these people as Wadsworth, yeah. uh, the butler who buttles and um, <laughs> like that interchange about like, what do you, you know, you're a butler. What do you do? I buttle again, yeah. like thirties comedy dialogue. Like it's setting this tone so well. Yeah. The pitter patter. It's uh, it, like the whole movie. It's kind of slow at first, but it gives you hints. And then by the end, it's just like, bah, 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 mm-hmm. bah. Yeah, I heard you must have read the same thing. They all had to watch uh, what was it His Girl Friday? As I didn't pre- see that part. Yeah, the director made them all watch the an old movie called His Girl oh. Friday, which is a comedy. Which you know, uh, again, similar you know these Nick and Nora movies, like again, all this stuff from that era. You know, that's what they were going for, and they, again, they nail it. Uh, and it's uh, there's a gong, and it's time for dinner. So everyone sits down to this uh, very awkward meal of slurping soup, <laughs> shark fin soup. It's like shark fin soup, and then it's like what monkey brains is the next dish, yep. and it looks disgusting. It it's looks, like this white, like frothy. I don't know what <laughs> what yeah. they actually use. It looked like egg whites with with something. I mean, it looks like paint. It looks like they painted yeah. something, and it's, she's just like scooping it up, Miss uh, Peacock. Peacock. Yes, yeah. which is a, a clue. Yeah, that, yeah, that is a clue that she likes the later. food. Yeah, and then this is where she starts talking to about like, oh, but we're not supposed to say who we are. And she says like, oh, we should do this. We could should get get to know each other. And oh wait, we're not supposed to. And this is my job as a a senator's senator. wife. Yeah. You say you are used to being a hostess as part of your husband's work. Yes, it's an integral part of your life when you are the wife of a. Oh, but then I forgot. We're not supposed to say who we really are, though. Heavens to Betsy, I don't know why. Don't you? I know who you are. Aren't you going to tell us? How do you know who I am? I work in Washington too. Washington. So you're a politician's wife? Yes, I, I am. Well, come on then. Who's your husband? So what does your husband do? Nothing. Nothing? Well, he just lies around on his back all day. Sounds like hard work to me. Yeah, I like this, that, you know, because so, she says I'm going to basically decides I'm going to break the silence and I'm a socialite and this is what I do. And I'm so good at, you know, keep having conversations and holding court and stuff because I'm a senator's wife and I, my husband's very important. And like she's just divulging all this information. 
And like everybody else is just sort of like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah. I don't the know. Way they're you. just staring at her. I think there's a scene with like three of them or a, a clip of them, three of them staring at her after she's talked. Like, hold, like, like holding their spoons like. <gasps> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It, it's, it's really fun as a way of getting to know her um, because she is the most kind of like batty of the six. Uh, yeah. With like a kind of a weird premise though to like be invited to a dinner you don't know anybody you don't bring a, your own plus one like i can't think of anything more terrifying than that oh it's clearly terrifying yeah, right. and as we're about to learn like you know they have reason to be concerned about this based on what's been going on before they got here and but i mean this is such the like one thing this movie does is it knows its source material and it's like tropes very mm-hmm. very well so like the creepy old house, everyone invited to a dinner party under mysterious circumstances. Like, you know, the whole like setup is like th- this is quintessential, um, you know, murder mystery 101. Like, yeah, you get all, all these supposed strangers there. And it's interesting that they don't directly know each other. They might know of each other to some degree. Some but, of like, them know each but, other. But, but not really. I guess, well, I guess even like Martin Mull, who... Well, Isn't far- it Christopher Lloyd knows Leslie. Somebody knows somebody. No, Martin Mull knows... Uh, He's Colonel, Mu- Colonel Mustard is a client of Miss Garland's, but he may not know her by sight. Okay. I think there's something about the idea of like, even if these people might not know each other, they might not realize it. Because nobody looks at, at one of the other ones and goes like, oh, it's you. Right. Well, especially in the 50s, too. You have to like... There would be no social media where you would see pictures of people. Yeah. But uh, although Mr. Green, I forget that it's my notes. Mr. Green, Michael McKeon says he does know who Miss Peacock is because he works in Washington. We find out everybody is in the orbit of politics in Washington, D.C. to some greater or lesser degree. Yeah, this was definitely a plot point where like it went right over my like all the politics and the nuclear, like all that stuff. When I was like 10 or however old I was when I saw this. So confusing. Still a little confusing, honestly, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> a lot of it feeds into the, mo- the to the most that, that and we'll talk about it. There are three different endings. A lot of them feed it, that stuff feeds into one of them, but not as much the other two. Yeah. And it, it, honestly, that stuff doesn't like the politics of it doesn't really matter as much as like this is all just a fun movie. Oh, communism was just a red herring. Yeah. As he says. Yeah. Um, but it's but it is important to their their relationships. Like it's not the entire reason why everything is happening, but it's it isn't totally a red herring either. Mm-hmm. Like it is a, a factor. Um, we haven't even talked about like my one of my favorite characters of the movie. Oh, go which ahead. is the house, <laughs> the backdrop of the house, it's which a, like planted a seed yeah. in me of just loving old houses, even though it's not even a real house, but like loving secret passageways and loving like older houses and like the character of the house. The, yeah. Just, you also love the Winchester house as well in San Francisco. right? I, uh, yeah. San Jose. But yeah, San Jose. Thank yeah, you. definitely. And I think this like, well, I probably visited the Winchester house about the same time that I would have seen this movie. I mean, so. and I love haunted houses like that. To me, that's yeah. like as a trope as well. Like we, we just did that episode of a haunted mansion like that. That had a big impact on me. And yeah, you're right. It's an incredible set. It is a set. It's not, you know, it's, it was built mm-hmm. on the Paramount lot. It was eventually repurposed for uh, use as a, a, the hotel and dynasty. Apparently, yeah, the clue house. And there's so. one. The ballroom was actually a real ballroom from a house in Pasadena. But we but barely the, spend any time in the ballroom, right? Which makes sense given that it was a location, right? So, um, 
So yeah, uh, so what, what else happens? We hear about Miss White says her husband lies on his back all day. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, this is where uh, Miss Peacock says uh, this thing is her favorite recipe. Um, we find out from Professor Plum that he doesn't practice psychology anymore. Uh, we'll find a little about more what, why that is later. But he says he works for the World Health Organization in family planning. Um uh, and then finally, we get the arrival of uh, actor Lee Ving, but not his voice, as Mr. Body. Ah, good evening. You are eagerly awaited. Are you locking me in? I'll take the key. Over my dead body, sir. May I take your bag? No. I'll leave it here like I need it. It contains evidence, I presume. Surprises, my friend. That's what it contains. Surprises. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present Mr. Body? What are they all doing here? Eating dinner. Do sit down, Mr. Body. Thanks. Nah, no, you can take that away, honey. Look, I demand to know what's going on. Now, why have we all been dragged up here to this horrible place? Well, I believe we all received a letter. My letter says, it will be to your advantage to be present on this date because a Mr. Body will bring to an end a certain long-standing, confidential and painful financial liability. It is signed, a friend. I received a similar letter. So did we, didn't we? I also received a letter. No thanks, Yvette. I just ate. Now, how did you know her name? We know each other. <laughs> Don't we, dear? Forgive my curiosity, Mr. Body, but did your letter say the same thing? No. I see. Can I interest any of you in fruit or dessert? In that case, may I suggest we adjourn to the study for coffee and brandy? At which point I believe our unknown host will reveal his intentions. That's not the same voice as the actor? No, I, I, in my research I found out it's actually all overdubbed. It's somebody else. Which is weird. Oh, that wow. is weird. I yeah. didn't see that. It's, I it's that. well done. Like, I didn't notice it when I watched it. No clue. No clue. Uh, Rich, what, what, I mean, uh, you want to take it on, on Mr. Body, but I like I like this performance because he's, he's he almost feels out of step with everybody else. He's playing a different character from a different type of movie to me. Yeah, he's, um, you know, I remember uh, just as a kid being like, there's no Mr. Body in Clue. And I was like, oh, the dead body. You know, like it took me kind of a second to, to figure that out. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's he's got like a Michael Madsen vibe. You know, he's very like, uh, you know, he's he's the real bad guy, you know, so to speak of like, you know, the one blackmailing him. So it kind of makes sense that he's a little more sinister than the rest. Yeah. And this is where Tim Curry pulls out this letter. He says he's been instructed to read it. Um, and he says, you know, tonight, you know, you've all been brought here to settle a, a long-standing financial liability, uh, at which point they, they then go off to the study, um, to hang out there and body says, oh, this is all a hoax. He just wants to leave. Uh, and then everybody is locked in body tries to run out to the, uh, the conservatory, but there's like vicious dogs outside. So he can't. And finally, it's revealed that everyone there at the party is being blackmailed. Uh, and we find out the reason for each of them. So we find out Plum uh, lost his license because he was um, stripping a patient. P 
Peacock was taking bribes for her senator husband. Scarlett admits she was doing the thing she's being blackmailed for, which is running a prostitution ring. The colonel is Miss Scarlett's customer. Uh, White's husband died under uh, under mysterious circumstances, and she's being blackmailed to avoid the at least the impression getting out that she murdered them. And uh, Mr. Green is gay. Yeah. Which back then, big deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he said, yeah, he even said something like, you know, hey, I don't really think it's a big deal, but I'd lose my job in Washington. So yeah. Again, I think, yeah, that 50s setting helps with that being the the thing he's being blackmailed for. Yeah. And again, kind of like some other things, turns out it's not even true. Yeah. Well, that was, was the last line of the movie, right? Well, yeah. in that ending, interestingly... So I don't know sure. if in the other two endings that you would, that that's Oh, I guess it wouldn't undone. have been revealed. Yeah. Can, that, I always thought that like the last ending was like the real ending. It feels way more satisfying. Yeah. yeah. Again, well, obviously we'll get to that at the end, but I do think that that ending is, there's something more like it brings everything full circle in mm-hmm. a way. So yeah, I think that they wisely say that is the quote unquote, the real ending. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, so, so this, and then of course we reveal that, um, sorry, uh, uh, it's revealed that Body is the one who has been blackmailing all of them, uh, and then we have uh, just a fight breaks out. Yeah, and then uh, is that when uh, is that when he goes against the gifts? In your hands, you each have a lethal weapon. If you denounce me to the police, you will also be exposed and humiliated. I'll see to that report. But if one of you kills Wadsworth now, no one but the seven of us will ever know. He has the key to the front door, <laughs> which he said would only be opened over his dead body. <laughs> I suggest we take him up on that offer. The only way to avoid finding yourselves on the front pages is for one of you to kill Wadsworth. Now. Yes, he gets the gifts. He gives everybody a gift, and you think it's going to be like, I'm giving you the evidence that I have on you, uh, but that is not what he's giving him in these six boxes. It's something far, for, far more familiar <laughs> to the audience. <laughs> right. All the pieces. It's the clue weapons, the, the classic ones. You had ones. to bring in the weapons. Yeah, this is a. Yeah. I think this is a really great adaptation, considering what you're adapting is a board game that doesn't have a whole lot to it. Like mm-hmm. they find an amazing way to kind of bring in everything from the game, and make it and and it never feels kind of like forced or artificial. It's like, of course, these things are there and mm-hmm. they're coming in in a natural way. So yes, everybody gets one of these weapons. Although the funny thing is, it's like they talk about like half of these weapons are like blunt instruments. Like just a wrench, yeah. a candlestick, yeah. a, a lead <laughs> pipe. And they're like, we have to lock these up. It's like you've got a whole house full of other <laughs> shit you could hit someone over the head with. Like it's yeah. not, but nevertheless. Um, so uh, body then th- says, well, why don't you just kill? How does this come about? He, he says they should kill Wadsworth. Um, yes. And and then they all just walk away was, was the idea, right? That's, that's yeah. what body says they should do. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he, because he said, if he, if, if he goes to jail, he'll, all their secrets will come out in court. Right. So, uh, and I think, does, is this where Body says, oh no, Body later reveals what they, he was supposedly, I mean, uh, Wadsworth says what he was being blackmailed for or his gripe against Body, but that comes later, I think. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, and, his and, wife. And yeah. So yeah, so body, you know, basically turns off the lights so they can do it. We hear some, you know, commotion, a gunshot uh, for like maybe five seconds. You know, a lot of sound effects, and then the lights come back on, and he's lying on the floor, seemingly dead. And now, like the comedy really starts. He's dead. I did. Then you shot him. I didn't. Well, you had the gun. If you didn't shoot him, who did? Nobody. Look, there's no gunshot wound. Somebody tried to grab the gun from me in the dark, and the gun went off. Look, the bullet broke that vase on the mantle. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. He's absolutely right. Look, there's a bullet hole here in the wall. See that? Huh? How did he die? I don't know. I'm not a forensic expert. Well, one of us must have killed him. Well... I didn't do it. Oh, sorry. I need a drink. Maybe he was poisoned. Mrs. Peacock, please. Mrs. Peacock, it's all right. It's all right. I don't know anything. Sit down. Sit down, Mrs. I had to stop her from screaming. Yeah. Once we get the first dead body, that's when it it ticks up a niche. Well, I mean, this whole like physical bit where you know they, at first they, they they wonder if he's been poisoned, and then Peacock is you know drinking the mm-hmm. the cognac or whatever, and there's the, she has this massive freakout, uh, and then uh, I believe is this when um, Michael McKean just slaps her. I had yeah. to stop her screaming. <laughs> yeah, I had to stop her screaming. He still was like, guys, I, I'm I'm doing the right thing, right? <laughs> right. It's the 1950s. You're supposed to hit a woman when she's hysterical. <laughs> Yeah, very much so. It's like I mean, you can talk about airplane, like that scene when like everyone just comes up and oh, they're all on the line to slap her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, very classic. Again, old movie thing you would not do now. Is the, the slapping? Good lord, no. The face. Um, <laughs> anyone, anyone in the face, never. Yeah, uh, this is where Wadsworth reveals that he invited everyone there because his yeah. his wife had killed herself because of uh, body blackmailing them and then uh he basically they they were working like slaves that you know um so because they body thought all of them were un-american again kind of calling up like the house on american activities stuff uh from the 50s the mccarthy era and so he thought if yeah. i get my plan is i'm gonna get everyone here we'll confront him and then we'll get him to j- go to jail mm-hmm. um which is already pretty suspect as a plan yeah, not a great plan, but. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. Of course, oh, this so running joke. They, they, you know, he tries to say, "Well, to make a long story short." Too late. Too late. Too late. Yeah, that. Yeah, the- but no, he was crying because his the the reason he was being blackmailed is because his wife had friends who were socialists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, it's convincing though. Like it's one of these things where, like, as silly as the movie is, like he. Like he turns on the waterworks and he's convincing, you know, like he's just that as an actor, like he can do what the scene requires of him. Uh, And then uh, they realize, oh, well, maybe, you know, after they're debating who it could have been, it could have been the cook because she's the only one not in the room. The cook. And then they all run down to the. They do that a lot that like these shots of everybody just running Mm -hmm. like feet. Sometimes it's just their feet as they like (laughs) run down the hall to a different room Uh, and they they go into the kitchen and Michael McKean says, well, she's not here, 
and he opens the door to what I guess is like some kind of a meat locker or whatever, and she just falls out into his arms yeah. with a knife in her back. Yeah. But Mr. Body threatened to give my wife's name to the House Un-American Activities Committee unless she named them. She refused, and so he blackmailed her. We had no money, and the price of his silence was that we worked for him for nothing. We were slaves. Well, to make a long story short... Too late. The suicide of my wife preyed on my mind and created a sense of injustice in me. I resolved to put Mr. Body behind bars. It seemed to me the best way to do it and to free all of you from the same burden of blackmail was to get everyone face to face, confront Mr. Body with his crimes and then turn him over to the police. So everything is explained. Nothing's explained. We still don't know who killed him. But the point is we've got to find out in the next 39 minutes before the police arrive. My God, we can't have them come here now. But... How can we possibly find out which of you did it? What do you mean, which of you did it? Well, I didn't do it. Well, one of us did. We all had the opportunity. We all had a motive. Great. We'll all go to the chair. Maybe it wasn't one of us. Well, who else could it have been? Who else is in the house? Only the cook. The cook! The cook! Now, who got her into the meat locker by themselves? Yeah, right. <laughs> not all. I mean, clearly not all of the details of this murder of mystery course. hold up to yes. scrutiny. Of course. Um, but yeah. it's fine because th- this is a screwball comedy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. they get a lot of mileage out of the fact that the cook is heavyset. Yeah, and, like, that wouldn't fly anymore either. You would no. have to be a dude. If it was a dude, I think they could do it. Uh, but yeah, he's like can barely hold her up and he, she's like collapsed on top of him. I like that. There's like a scene. I don't know if it's this scene or a different scene where he just like gives up and like drops her. <laughs> I think it comes yeah. later. Yeah. It's like, yeah. wait, what do I care? That's when he drops. Uh, that's when he drops uh, Tim Curry when he falls into him, oh, pretending okay. to when he was recapping. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so they decide to uh, they're trying to figure out who had the dagger as the weapon peacock says she had it but she put it down this comes up a couple of times someone had a weapon but then they set it back down and so anybody could have picked it up i I tried to watch i had to watch this movie a few more times to even try and track stuff like that of like wait because there's there's other things a couple who wasn't in the room with us yeah and it like it you can check it it does track yeah okay because some of this stuff is like really i feel like they're all there nobody's they're there in like one frame and then they're not there in another frame yeah uh, and so they they go back to the study, and Mr. Body is no longer lying on the floor. Mm-hmm. He's gone. Where's the body? Yeah, and I think this is uh, you know we uh, oh so I'm sorry. So they're trying to figure out like maybe the Mr. Body killed the cook, um, and then we have this thing with the negatives come out these these photographing negatives that are the kernels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to remember how these come into play, but like th- this is the evidence of him. Uh, patronizing Miss Scarlet's business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, Christopher Lloyd, uh, or no, Madeline Kahn goes, no one can get in that position. Christopher Lloyd goes, I'll show you. Get <laughs> off of me. Yeah. Uh, they also, like, well, I guess not with Mr. Green, but Miss, Colonel Mustard and Professor Plum are both, like, horn dogs. 
and they're like they're pretty misogynistic in the way they bring that out from time to time like it's pretty obvious sure um and so yeah I, anyway who is it that um oh it's miss peacock i think goes out of the room and then mr body's body falls on her is it her is it it's her yes. right i can't remember yes yeah, this is great. I don't know where he came from, like, you know, because he's, like, sort of upright. Oh, yeah, because she says uh, the, it's the wee-wee line. Oh, well, if you'll excuse me, I have to, um, pardon me. Is there a little girl's room in the hall? Wee-wee, madame. No, I just want to powder my nose. Thank you. Oh, oh yeah, I go, need to please. go. I... Right. This is your favorite. <laughs> wee-wee, madame. No, I just need to powder my nose. And then she, she goes off to the bathroom. Yes, it's a wee-wee joke. Yeah, it's a wee-wee joke. And then that's when he falls on her. Yeah. Yeah. And I still couldn't figure out like where he fell from. Like The bathroom. Yeah. He, he's in the bathroom. Somehow propped up in the bathroom okay. and his arms are, he what? falls in such a way that he's able to like wrap his arms around. Yeah. Her. He's like sort of looks like a zombie, like kind of with his arms yeah. on her and she's freaking out. Uh, and now they're like, oh, now he's really dead. Because before Professor Plum had used his quote unquote, you know, doctor knowledge to declare Mr. Body dead. Clearly, he was. But now wrong he's got like a bl- blood dripping from his forehead. So. Yeah. Well, they talked about that before of like, oh, he, there's no gunshot wound on him. There's no obviously wounds. We'll later find out, um, at least in one of the endings, that Professor Plum shot at uh, Body, grazed his ear, and then Body then decided to pretend to be dead mm-hmm. to hopefully, like, you know, draw, you know, uh, basically fake it until he could escape. Um, but now he's really dead. He's, yeah, he's got like a big head wound. Yep. And this is where they all kind of gather in the hallway and then the candlestick stand, candlestick drops onto Wadsworth's head. He's like, I'm not screaming. I'm not, uh, right? And then it... Oh, no. Nobody can get into that position. Sure they can. Let me show you. Get off me. So unnecessary. Well, that's what we call overkill. What we call a psychotic. Unless he wasn't dead before. What's the difference? That's what we're trying to find out. We're trying to find out who killed him and where and with what. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. All right, I am. I'm shouting. I'm shouting. I'm shouting. Yeah. Like they frame the shot just right so you can see, like, it's ominous. It's obviously going to fall on his head. Wait, the candlestick or the chandelier? The candlestick. Okay. That's above on the doorway yeah. somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The chandelier falls way later. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then they, uh, I believe somewhere around here is where Tim Curry delivers the premise of the, the board game. That we have to figure out who killed him, where, and with what. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. Um, and yeah, then they have to, they try to lift the cook onto the sofa. 
Oh yeah. And then the and Mr. Mm-hmm. Bot and like Plum is just sort of between. Yeah, them. his like, arm kind of just rests on her bottom. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, he yeah. just lands. A lot of it. lot of touching dead people in this movie. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to the bigger one later, which is so much fun. Uh, and, and so now Tim Curry decides we'll lock up the weapons so no one can get them, and then throw away the key. And there's this whole like cartoon business about like throwing away the key. Yeah. Of like, he's going to do it. He's not going to do it. He's going to throw the key. He's it not gets gonna... a little fuzzy with like him having the key to the door and the key to the little cabinet. And right. like sometimes yeah. he has the right key and some like it doesn't quite work, I think. And they're not like just it's not like super distinctive. They're like, oh, one's a gold key and one's yeah. like a black key and you can tell them apart. Like, you know, they're I mean, it's a small object in the frame, even watching on like a big HDTV. Like you can't notice which key is which. Right. Um, but it's so, yeah. one of these keys gets thrown out of the house into the garden. Um, and uh, then finally we get our first. Which is which key? Uh, it doesn't it make sense. Be, it has, it has to, be, to be the. It can't be the front door. It has to be the front door because somebody opens up that cabinet later. Exactly. Unless it's never but actually they get locked. Out, they open the door again when the doorbell rings. So it doesn't make sense. I My suspicion is that it is the cabinet key and the cabinet was never actually locked at all to begin with. I guess we can't worry about these little details. Not important. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and now we get... We, we need to get Landis and Lynn in here right now. We have questions. We need answers. Uh, so now we have this guy whose car broke down, comes to pay them a visit and knock at the door. The motor. Okay. So the motorist. motorist comes first, right? Who had access to the candlestick? All of us. It was given to you. Yeah, but I dropped it on the table. Anyone could have picked it up. You, him. Look, we still have all these weapons... The gun, the rope, the wrench, the lead pipe. Let's put them all in this cupboard and lock it. There's a homicidal maniac about. I think that's a good idea. idea. What are you doing with the key? Putting it in my pocket. Why? Well, to keep it safe, obviously. That means that you can open it whenever you want. But it also means that you can't. But what if you're the murderer? I'm not. But what if you are? Well, it's got to be put somewhere. If I've got it, I know I'm safe. We don't know that we are. I have an idea. We'll throw it away. Good idea. Good idea. Wonderful. Right away. Brilliant. That'll do it. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Can we help? I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to disturb the whole household, but my car broke down out here, and I was wondering if I could use your phone. Just a moment, please. Very well, sir. Would you care to come in? Well, where is it? What, the body? The phone. What body? But there's nobody. Nobody. There's, there's nobody in the study. No. 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 no! no! But I think there's a phone in the lounge. Thank you. Yeah. And they lock him in the... Library? They lock him in the lounge. The lounge. Okay. Lounge. But like, I love the like, every time a guest comes, that like an unexpected person arrives at the door, the way they all kind of huddle together. And then obviously they haven't had time to cook up what to say Mm -hmm. in response to this guy's questions. And like, usually I think it's like Green or Wadsworth is the outlier. Like, because they're like, we don't want to let him in. Or like, we're going to, for they go to the awkwardly long huddle before deciding whether to let him in. But he wants to come in and use their phone. And he says, yes, there's one in the lounge. You know, go make your phone call. And they lock him in there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's, and that's when they toss the key out of the house. 
And we later learned that he was invited, right? Because he was the driver of... He's Colonel Mustard's driver. Right. Yeah. Yeah, during the war. Yeah, yeah. he did not let that slip at the time. Obviously, that comes later. Um, and this is the, like, what I wrote down this line here. is very funny about like... Um, this is where they start talking about maybe they should split up and search the house because it's possible that the killer is a, a person that's not in the group and maybe is hiding somewhere. Um, and so they're debating yeah. who should go with who. And I think Colonel Mustard says to Ms. White, no man would be alone together with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that. Um, and so, yeah, they they decide to search. Was it there's um, the other line I love here is that there's two corpses. Everything's fine. They go check <laughs> out the, the library. <laughs> That that notion will repeat. Like everything's fine, you know, it's the way it's supposed to be. Um, so they draw lots. I, this was a missed opportunity to me. They should have uh, rolled dice, but uh, they draw lots uh, to see who will go with who. And um, now we get this. And I like their expressions on their faces when they're like matched up with certain people. Like I think it's yeah. uh, Miss Scarlet who's like ugh, because she's matched with. Christopher Lloyd? Colonel Mustard. Colonel, Colonel Mustard. Mustard. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But all of them are like, I think Colonel Mustard is like, he's got the like little tiny piece of the match stick and he's looking around at like who he hopes to be paired with. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, <laughs> all right. It's with you, Miss Peacock. The, yeah. the old unfuckable Mrs. Peacock. <laughs> I'm stuck with you. Um, yeah. Re- really fun. Um, and I believe Wadsworth is with Mrs. White, right? They put Tim Curry and Madeline Kahn together. Yes. And then... Who else is like it's uh oh uh, it was Yvette and Mr. Green. Oh, I thought Mr. Then, yeah, you're right. They're because they're the ones that are like in the stairway to the like the attic, attic that don't want to go. Like they're just staring standing there yeah. waiting for the other person to go first. Uh yeah. Oh, the other thing that came out by this point, I think we've I, I don't this must be in here, um, uh, that uh the the conversations were being recorded on a reel to reel, like the in the uh the study where they were all hanging out. So that that's important. I, yeah. I needed to get that clue out there. Um, so yeah, they split up every, there's a lot of just kind of like madcap stuff. Uh, I, I like just good excuses for physical bits that like, Oh, the but, shower, turning the shower on. Yeah. That comes in a little With, bit. Yeah, yeah. Tim Curry's like, there's like a there's commotion. There's too many doors and he, one of them, he turns as a shower. It's a shower yeah. knob. There's, I like the, um, the Miss Peacock, like, Starts slap. It's like a furnace. Like she bumps into the furnace in the basement, and she starts slapping. You know how dare you? Like it, like it, as, as if it had like squeezed her ass or something. Mm-hmm. She's like real mad. That. Yeah, yeah. She starts slapping the thing, um, and then they do this other bit where like Miss Scarlet and Colonel Mustard are like trying. They're behind a bar, mm-hmm. and they're like trying to both squeeze through yeah. this like one person opening at the <laughs> same time, which is great. Um. Yeah, and then the uh, they do a waiting for Godot bit with Michael McKean at the and Yvette at the bottom of the stairs. It's like, go on up, and he's like, all right, I'll go. And then the shot just sits on them, not moving for like I don't know ten <laughs> seconds. And every time they cut back to them, they haven't made any more progress. <laughs> not a little bit. Yep. Uh, and so yeah, so they uh, so but nothing really. Ha- we oh the other thing that happens is while this is going on. At some point, we see someone wearing black gloves tossing all of the, like, blackmail evidence into the fire. So yep. we'll find out who that is later. We'll find it could be one of any the three people. We'll find out later. Um, yeah. And now uh, we see a cop at the window. So he is not quite 
rung the doorbell yet, but there's a, there's a cop like that we is now in play. He's like searching around the the perimeter of the property, and uh, so they go back to uh, we cut back to the la- the guy in the lounge, the motorist. He's looking nervous uh, on the phone to somebody who we we don't know who yet, uh, and the fireplace in the room turns around and someone comes out with a wrench, and uh, we don't he's something about like. He's on the phone. He says, one of them is my old boss. He's telling to the person on the phone. Yeah. Uh, We'll find out later. That is, he's talking about Colonel Mustard was his old boss. Um, But then he's murdered too. And how do we find out? How do we find out he's murdered? Uh, Because of the the secret passage? Yes. Come upon his body. Okay. Right. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, So, yeah. uh, So, Colonel and Miss Scarlet stumble into a secret passage that leads into the lounge where they find the wrench and the dead motorist. And so this starts this bit where she's they're screaming, let me out, let me out, let me out. Let us in, let us in, let us out, let us out. <laughs> but like in unison. Right. Yeah. much more heightened like comedic version of this right mm-hmm. um that it's like it's now like choreographed almost mm. and then yeah other great line here where like colonel mustard is or i'm sorry professor plum is saying something about like you have to let them out or you know unlock the door and mr green's like i can't unlock the door if i don't have the key and, like there's something like so stupid about like he wants him to unlock this door knowing mm-hmm. the key is missing that's the whole point well and then yvette goes and grabs the gun Yes, she grabs the gun. So to, the cabinet is open, which opens up a whole other conversation about like the stuff being available to grab. Well, right. So one, she has the gun, which in theory was supposed to be locked up. Right. Two, I think when she shoots the gun at the door, one of the bullets ricochets and hit. This is when it hits the yeah. chandelier. One plus two plus one plus one. <laughs> yes, yes. That, that right. This debate that starts. Whole bit. Yeah, there's a whole bit where Tim Curry is trying to basically saying there's no bullets left in that gun because mm-hmm. I counted one shot for this, two shots for that. And of course it turns out he's wrong. There is right. one bullet left yes. and that's why the thing falls uh, nearly killing Martin Mull. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good old falling chandelier. Nothing more classic. Yes. Uh, and then the doorbell rings and this is our, this is the policeman who's come to check on. Yes. Them. I like this guy. Mm-hmm. This actor is like, again, like all of the people that come in from the outside 
mostly I feel like they're like they're coming in from the real world uh, not so yeah. much from the world of this movie mm-hmm. it's like what the, but he's there to basically like what the fuck's going on and he wants to use the phone and i love the bit about like well we there's a phone in the lounge. oh we can't use the phone in the lounge oh we yeah. could use the phone in the nope there's dead bodies in there you know we yeah. got to give him the phone in the this where where i forget where they send him the kitchen no not the kitchen um uh, library the library he's got to go to the library i like this part because this is when they set up like the fake party scene Officer, I don't think you should go in there. Why not? Uh, because it's all too shocking. Oh, life could be a dream If I could take you up in paradise up above If you would tell me I'm the only one that you love it's not all that shocking. These folks are just having a good time. If you would let me spend my whole life loving you, life could be a dream, sweet. Oh, my God. Excuse me. This man's drunk. Dead drunk. Dead right. <laughs> You're not going to drive home, are you? He won't be driving home, officer. I promise you that. No. Somebody will give him a lift, huh? Oh, we'll 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 get him a car. A long black car. A limousine. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. And they're like just making out, and he's like, "It's all right." This is America. These people are just having a good yeah. time. No problem. Yeah, this is... Aw- this man's drunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like through the curtains when like they have the dead body, the cook in between them. And it's like yeah. Miss Peacock and somebody else yeah. making out with the cook between them and the hands. funny. It's it's This is a great physical bit. Yeah. Uh, this kind of weekend at Bernie's thing they're doing with the corpses. But it's preceded yeah. by like Michael McKeon. Basically, because he knows he doesn't want to let him in there, and he's just like, it's too shocking. But he's, yeah, he knows he can't let him in. He doesn't have time to come up with a good excuse. Like you could see the wheels mm-hmm. turning. He's trying so hard, and he's like, that, that's his excuse, right? It's too shocking what you're going to see in there. <laughs> and the, the, he is shocked. Like yeah. the look on his face is great. And the cop is just like, oh, it looks like people are having a good time. Yeah, <laughs> I like the premise of a party where you just come and you just make out with people. <laughs> That- I, I like the premise of that party. <laughs> 1950s. They were a different time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Colonel, um, and then Tim Curry, who's not in on what's been going on, he's sort of, you know, mm-hmm. this is the great line about like, well, it's a free country. And he's just, I didn't know it was that free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, oh yeah. So now Colonel, Scar- uh, the Colonel and Miss Scarlet find uh, another secret passage. They find both of the secret passages, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, well, they're on the floor that ha- like they're searching the floor that has the secret passageways. Yes, and this is a secret passage that goes to the study, the conservatory, to the right. Oh, there's to one the in the study. conservatory as well. Yeah, I think, but this, yeah, well, that's right. There, yes, is it in the kitchen that goes? No, the, the kitchen one goes to the study. That's the one behind where the cook's body was. Yeah, and then they find the conservatory one that goes to the 
St- I can't remember the news. Yeah, that's the little... room that has the cabinet with the guns and stuff, right? Uh, that was in the lounge. Yeah. I, I can't remember. Whatever. Um, but yes, there's. Who knows? Yeah, so they go to the study, um, but then someone turns off all the power in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and Yvette comes into a room is, without her French accent now, is talking to someone who's whispering to them, to her, uh, and she gets it with a rope. Yep. Shut the door. know every inch of my body and they're not the only ones <gasps> and then the door the doorbell rings at this point too right not, not quite first the cop oh, there's is, something else that happens the, 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 a so lot we, of things that happen very the cop fast is, cop, cop gets killed with the i want to say lead pipe yeah he's on the phone to somebody but the phone gets cut and then he gets it um we found out and by the way that phone call before was from j edgar hoover mm-hmm. of all people so again the the 50s setting kind of mattering. But then, yes, then we get the singing telegram. One of my favorite jokes in the movie. Yep. I am your singing telegram. Just the I am your singing telegram. Bang. Bang. It's, it's the quickness of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's so funny. Um, and so out of like left field that it's a singing telegram. Yeah. Um, do you know who the the... Who's playing the singing telegram girl, Rich? Uh, I know her name is Jane Wielden. I don't know what I know her from. She is one of the Go-Go's. So, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, one of the more... Basically, her and Belinda Carlisle are the two you might have heard of. I Yeah, I know Belinda Carlisle. I didn't know uh, Jane Wielden. Yeah, cool. I, I think she's the drummer. I'd have to look that up. But I can't remember if she's the drummer or not for the Go-Go's. Um, she gets like one line. She's, she sings her the line and bang, she's tap dancing <laughs> she's and dead. Nice. Um, I, not a bad gig if you can get it don't have to memorize much yeah so the power comes back on this is where Wadsworth is in the shower I think but then the power comes back on I love when they find Yvette in the billiard room because they all like they're all in a group now again and they're trying to they just kind of walk in there and they see her body lying there and their uh, reaction is so just like they just turn around in unison and walk out. They don't, like, yeah. It just doesn't phase the them at all. Meh. Same thing. <laughs> and then they walk and they walk open the front door, they see the, the singing telegram girl's body, and Jim Curry just goes, This is getting serious. <laughs> <laughs> so that is our sixth dead body. Um oh, there is there was one more person. Oh no, not yet, not yet. I'm sorry, there is one more person who comes to the door, but it hasn't happened yet. So this is where my notes break down because this is where Wadsworth announces he knows who did it. And this is what you bring in Tim Curry for. Yeah, this is when it gets fun with the music and his just his timing. Yeah. I can't like I, I recognize that it's probably made easier by the fact that this is you know multiple takes and cuts and things all put together. And that if you had to do this on stage, you would have to do it in one actual like single Mm -hmm. swoop. Um, But I feel like Tim Curry would totally be up to the challenge of doing this because what he's about to do is recount the entire plot of the movie, dragging them, everybody from room to room, explaining what happened. Obviously I'll drop in a clip of this, not the whole thing because it's too long, but like this is to me what makes the movie. The murderer was in the secret passage. Meanwhile, Mr. Body beat on the floor. He jumped up. The murderer came out of the secret panel, picked up the candlestick. <laughs> Mr. Body pulled this out of the study into the hall looking for an escape. The murderer crept up behind him and killed him. Ah! Will you 
This is whoever had the idea to even put this in there. This is, is a like genius. this is an Oscar. <laughs> I know this sounds ridiculous, but like I feel like it's so good. Like he should have been getting awards for this performance in this segment. I mean, hundred percent agree. Again, like I was trying to think of who else could do this, and like Rowan Atkinson can do it. Like yeah. he, he's he would definitely have been up to the challenge of pulling this off. It would have been amazing yeah. to watch him do it, which is why I want to see it. Um, you but, have to drop in the score here too, like. Like whatever, it, however it goes, like that's such a good piece of this. The the score is great. Um, I forget who wrote the music. It it fits obviously, but this is where it like amps up into like again, kind of like cartoony, mm-hmm. like fast paced stuff. And as you watch him, like it's kind of like I'm trying to think. Of, there's other like scenes in movies where people recount something really quickly. Um, the only one that's coming into my brain right now is that bit in Frozen 2 where Olaf <laughs> recounts so the fun. events of Frozen 1. <laughs> but it's not, first of all, obviously it's animated and it's not, it's like, you know, a it, minute. It's that. like 90 seconds yeah. long. This is like 10 minutes or something of just sustained monologuing as he like f- just runs from room to room trying to demonstrate what happens. And he's talking all the while about like, wait, but who wasn't in the room? This person must have gone here. And then they went through the and secret passage. And he's dragging passage. people from room to Like, he, yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. I, like I said, it, it's very much got like a Greek chorus dynamic because he's doing almost all the talking. But then they'll uh, sometimes talk as individuals, but mostly like respond to him as a group, you know, like too late, get on with it, this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And so it's very like call and response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it's, and what I love about it is he's probably right about every, all of these deductions he's making. I don't know how anyone would have actually come to any of these conclusions watching the movie up to this no, point. It's, it's impossible. impossible. Yeah. Um, but it is like, th- this is very much like there's the there's a monologue at the end of The Maltese Falcon where uh, Humphrey Bogart as Sam Spade, you know, he's got all of the suspects at his office or in a room somewhere and he starts monologuing. And he does basically this. You know, he starts saying, ah, but this you you did this and you went there. See, but I rec- realized that this. it's that, but like the comedic version. And again, like over a much longer period of time, much more you know, complex and comedic. Like th- this is, I think, the most yes. special thing in the movie. It's so th- this is what puts it over the top for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like the whole movie is good. But I mean, it's 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 very much like set up for this huge big finale kind of like a musical number or something at the end of a musical yeah i mean uh just so special um but after this we start getting some confessions out of people uh we find out that the cop was on scarlet's payroll we find out again that the dry the motorist knew the colonel in the war and that he was war profiteering by uh basically sneaking out parts for uh, radio equipment and planes and selling them. That's how he made all his money. We find out the singing telegram girl was the patient of professor plums that he was shipping. Um, all this stuff starts coming out and then there's a ring at the door and it's this guy telling him the kingdom of heaven is upon us. And it's like, Oh my God, like one more, you know, <laughs> go, go home. <laughs> yeah. What yeah you say? Don't, if you come in, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good evening. Have you ever given any thought to the kingdom of heaven? What? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You ain't just whistling Dixie. Armageddon is almost upon us. I got news for you. It's already here. Go away. But your souls are in danger. Our lives are in danger, you beatnik. And then, of course, you know, 
the, the whole question has been kind of rolling around of like, well, who could have committed these murders if we were all together? Who wasn't in the room when the murders were committed? Uh, committed and they realized it was Yvette, uh, that she was acting under orders from one of the others. And this takes us into the first ending, which is the Miss Scarlet ending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think all of the like political stuff comes in because we find out basically she yes, she has a prostitution ring, but that is more of a a vehicle for her to obtain lucrative secrets. Yeah, she that's what she's she in sells. the business of secrets, right? Yeah, an information broker. Yes. Uh, she's the spider from Game of Thrones. She's in the secrets business. Yes. Uh and that's why for her, communism is a red herring because she, it ultimately doesn't matter what the nature of the secret is. It's just, you know, information she can sell. Uh, yeah. And um, we get the, 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 of course, the Gone with the Wind line um, after she yeah. is caught because mm-hmm. um, the doorbell rings and it's all you know, the, the Jesus guy, of course, is one of the he's like the police chief or whatever and it's every all the cops come in we could expose you six murders i hardly think it will enhance your reputation at the un professor plum if it's revealed that you have been implicated not only in adultery with one of your patients but in her death and the deaths of five other people you don't know what kind of people they have at the un i might go up in their estimation and it's no good blackmailing me madam i have no more money do I. I. I know sweetie pie but you can pay me in government information all of you, except you, Wadsworth. You, as a mere butler, have no access to government secrets. So, I'm afraid your moment has come. Not so fast, Miss Scarlet. I do have a secret or two. Oh, yeah, such as? The game's up, Scarlet. There are no more bullets left in that gun. Oh, come on. You don't think I'm going to fall for that old trick. It's not a trick. There was one shot at Mr. Body in the study, two for the chandelier, two at the lounge door, and one for the singing telegram. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. Uh-uh. There was only one shot that got the chandelier. That's one plus two plus one plus one. Even if you were right, that would be one plus one plus two plus one, not one plus two plus one plus one. Okay, fine. One plus two plus one. Shut up! The point is, there's one bullet left in this gun, and guess who's going to get it? Where's the chief? Ah, Wadsworth. Well done. I did warn you, my dear. Mr. Hoover is an expert on Armageddon. Wadsworth, don't hate me for trying to shoot you. Frankly, Scarlett, I didn't give a damn. As I was trying to tell you, there are no bullets left in this gun, you see? How do we feel about the Miss Scarlet yeah. ending? Uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, you already know. I feel like the the final ending is the real ending. Yeah, and for yeah. and for people who don't know, when this movie was in the theaters, you wouldn't get all three. You would get one random ending. Right, and the newspapers or like the advertisements would tell you like which ending was playing in which theater, so you could bounce around to all. And they really thought that it would bring in more money for try the, to see for it. the studio, but it was a total flop. Yeah, the movie. Oh wow! Yeah, the movie that. was not a commercial success. Basically, it made, it had a fifteen million dollar budget, and it made like fourteen million and change. So not, it didn't quite make back its budget. And I'm mm. sure that doesn't factor in advertising and everything else. Now, over the long haul, 
of people loving this movie and buying it. Like, I'm sure they made back their money eventually because mm-hmm. it became a cult classic. But whoever came up with the idea of throwing all three endings on and like putting in the little like this could have happened. Or what about this? But this is what really ha- like that yeah. was, I think, a smart move for the VHS. Oh, God. Can you imagine if they tried to sell three different VHSs yeah, and you had to no. buy three copies of the movie? No. That would not have worked. Right. Um, and I'm sure they, you know, th- that's the other thing that was probably against it and doing that in the theaters, which is people would not go to see it three times. They would just go, well, eventually it will come out on VHS and I'll watch it at home. It's 1985 and I can do that. Mm-hmm. Or they'll show it on TV or something and I'll catch it. Um, but I still think this idea of having three different endings is so fun for uh, a murder mystery. Um, have, oh, I'm trying to think of the name of it now. There's a Charles Dickens book. It was the last book that Charles Dickens wrote, but he never finished it. And it was a murder mystery and he never got to the end to reveal who'd done it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the mystery of Edwin Drood is what it's called. So someone adapted it into a stage play. And apparently the way the stage play works is the audience votes on who they think the killer mm-hmm. is. And they have an ending written for each of the characters for um, who it could, who it could possibly be, including oh, one character funny. who's like a 10 year old boy or something. There's still an ending for him. Mm-hmm. So th- that reminded me of this, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, just, again, just a, just a, the, the concept of even having multiple endings is great. Um, so that's, that's the Smith Scarlet ending. Then we find out, of course, it could have happened like this. Mm-hmm. And we get the Miss Peacock ending. Yeah. Which I love the, for she's a jolly good, this is when they sing, right? <laughs> and they all happen to have like perfect harmony. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, it is perfectly sung. They all, they all know what to do. Um, I'm trying to remember what the, the rationale is behind her being the killer. Anybody? You murdered them all. You were the person who was missing when the cook and Mr. Body were murdered. And the cook used to be your cook. Don't you remember your fatal mistake? You told us at dinner that we were eating one of your favorite recipes. And monkey's brains, though popular in Cantonese cuisine, are not often to be found in Washington, D.C. Is that what we ate? (laughs) Why would I have murdered all the others? Obviously, in case Mr. Body had told him about you. So it was all nothing to do with a disappearing nuclear physicist and Colonel Mustard's work on the new fusion bomb. No, communism was just a red herring. Mrs. Peacock did it all. There's no proof. Well, the gun is missing. Gentlemen, turn out your pockets. Ladies, empty your purses. Whoever has the gun is the murderer. Very well. What do you propose to do about it? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. I don't approve of murder, but it seems to me you've done the world a public service by ridding it of an appalling blackmailer and his disgusting informers. But the police will be here any minute. What happens then? Why should the police come? Nobody's called them. You mean? That's right. Now, I suggest that we stack the bodies in the cellar, lock it, leave quietly one at a time, and pretend that none of this has ever happened. Great idea. I'll leave first, if you don't mind. Be my guest. In fact, I think we all owe you a vote of thanks. For she's a jolly good fellow. For she's a jolly good fellow. For she's a jolly good fellow. Which nobody can deny. Which nobody can deny. Which nobody can deny. 
For she's a jolly good fellow. For she's a jolly good fellow. For she's a jolly. I told you I didn't do it. I don't. I, I don't feel know. Like this it is the weakest of the three. It all kind of blurs together. The, yeah. Honestly, the who yeah. did what when. Yeah. Um, there is before we get to the the quote unquote real ending. There was a fourth ending that was hmm. filmed. It was filmed and not used because they said it just wasn't good enough. Um, where where Tim Curry killed everybody, and mm. you know, again tries to get away with, it and he's like chased by dogs or something, and they oh. the dogs get him. Uh, so that that's that ending. Um, again, I, I think you, I think it exists in the script. They did film it. I've never actually seen this, the, the footage, but they, they never even thought it was good enough to include in any cut of the movie. Um, so now we get to the real ending, which is everybody killed one person. Mm-hmm. Which feels so yeah. much more satisfying. Sorry, didn't mean to frighten anyone. You're a bit late for that! Then there were three more murders. So Let's consider each murder one by one. Professor Plum, you knew that Mr. Body was still alive. Even psychiatrists can tell the difference between patients who are alive or dead. You fired the gun at him in the dark and missed. So you pretended he was dead. That's how you were able to kill him later, unobserved. That's right! He was the missing person in the kitchen after we found the cook dead. But he was with us in the billiard room when we found Yvette screaming. If that's when the cook was killed, how did he do it? I didn't. But you don't expect us to believe that, do you? I expect you to believe it. You killed the cook. She used to be your cook, and she informed on you to Mr. Body. You made one fatal mistake. Sitting here at dinner, Mrs. Peacock told us that she was eating one of her favorite recipes. And monkey's brains, though popular in Cantonese cuisine, are not often to be found in Washington, D.C. Colonel Mustard, when we saw the motorist at the front door, you took the key to the weapons cupboard out of my pocket. Then you suggested that we all split up. You separated from Miss Scarlet, crossed the hall, opened the cupboard, took the wrench, ran to the conservatory, entered the lounge through the secret passage, killed the motorist with a blow on the head. Like that! So incredible as what happened next. But we all split up again. I went upstairs with you. Yes, you, Mrs. White. And while I was in the master bedroom, you hurried downstairs and turned off the electricity, got the rope from the open cupboard, and throttled Yvette. You were jealous that your husband was stopping Yvette. That's why you killed him, too. Yes. It's so much better that, like, yeah, so Professor Plum. We find, you know, he shot at body, he missed, and so he finished the job. Uh, Peacock killed the cook. Uh, I'm trying to remember why she kills the cook, um, but th- that's where that clue that uh, she, you know, that was her favorite meal mm-hmm. became important. Um, Mustard killed the motorist because he knew it was who his he driver. Was, yeah, his driver. Mrs. White killed Yvette, and we need to park on this for a minute. Because this is where we get the greatest monologue in the movie. Oh. Other than the Tim Curry. Which was ad-libbed. You were jealous that your husband was stopping her that. That's why you killed him, too. Yes. Yes, I did it. I killed Yvette. I hated her so much. It, it, the, it, flame, flames, flames on the side of my face, breathing. Breath, heaving breaths 
behaving. But why we Yes, this is this is improv. Yeah. <laughs> improv, baby. <laughs> this is why you hire Madeline Kahn. Flames on the side of my heaving flames. <laughs> I could be a Burning. voice actor. <laughs> yeah. I I watched an interview with Tim Curry in prep for this, and re- relatively recent interview with him, and he was asked, you know, what some of his favorite movies were of his career, and he said Muppet Treasure Island, which we talked about, and this one. And he was asked about this moment, and you know, had, and he said, you know, yeah, it was improvised, and basically, like, you had to scrape us off the floor. We had to try so hard not to laugh; it was so good, um, you know, just a- absolutely an incredible moment. Mm-hmm. So he was just, you know, again, very high praise for his co-stars. I love how long it goes on too. I mean, you yeah. can tell like it's one of those things where like they know it's comic gold. They don't know how it's going to end because she's improvising, right? Yeah. It's not. It's not as like. It works because the rest of the movie is is so clockwork and precise in its pitter patter timing that this like kind of breaks that mold, and it's that's why it's just so funny because like she these characters always know exactly what to say and here mm-hmm. she's like she's she can't put it, the sentence together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. I found some very oh, funny yes. like t shirt designs with just like it looks like an old movie poster sort of, and she's like oh like <laughs> making this like face and like there's flames everywhere. Yeah. It's, Really good. Um, yeah, she she killed Yvette because Yvette was stripping her husband. That was revenge. Uh, and Miss mm-hmm. Scarlet killed the cop. And Wadsworth is the one who killed the singing telegram girl. But I can't remember why. Um, but oh, and we reveal that because she knew, I guess, that he was, in fact, the real Mr. Body. And that the guy who dies at the beginning of the movie is actually the his butler. Yeah, and and the singing telegram girl and all of them were his informants that he wanted to. They were loose ends, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but uh, Green shoots him, confirming there was in fact one more bullet in the gun. <laughs> oh no, no, he, no! That's his own gun that he brought because he's an he's a federal agent. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's not it's not the gun yeah. gun. It's a different gun. Um, and everyone runs in, and we get that great death moment. Good shot. <laughs> yeah, really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then again, all the cops burst in and Green gives this great line. Are you looking at me to go it? for it? I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we all go out to shake, rattle and roll. Yeah. As all the like, little cards flip over, yeah. which is cute. Fun music choices, too. Like not only that song is fun, but like the life could be a dream. Like I like that. Yeah. There's yeah. Choice. There's a cup. There's three, I think, different songs from the 50s that appear in here one is life could be a dream uh, they're all covers like the uh, uh shake rattle and roll and i think in the still of the night uh is also used at some mm, point I don't if, if i could yeah i think that's it's in there somewhere i think um man what a great movie nothing like yeah that. a lot of fun you were talking about the uh the score earlier the guy's name is john morris and he also did the theme for coach and Blazing Saddles. Okay. The Blazing Saddles connection makes sense, I guess, if you think of Madeline Kahn. I'd like maybe. to rewatch that movie. Blazing Saddles? Yeah. Hell yeah. That movie's amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Very, very special movie. Um, I, I almost don't know what to say about something like this because it is, I mean, we've been talking about it for, you know, a little over an hour. And, like, it's we've bare, in a way like we haven't touched on like half of the movie 
because so much of it is just buried in these little interchanges. Like the, the plot is almost yeah. irrelevant because it's it this totally is. it's this whirlwind of like, wait, what what? Like you can barely keep up with what's being said and what's happening. Yeah. And you can't really like explain the jokes and how they're funny. I feel like you just have to watch the movie and you'll get it. Like us delivering these like wee wee mad dad like you don't unless you've seen the movie, you're not gonna laugh at that. Yeah. Because they're all embedded in the context of the rhythm that mm-hmm. it sets from the beginning. Right. This is a type of humor that we don't really see a lot of anymore. Um, yeah. I feel like, so, I mean, and that's not to say there aren't you know great comedic things being made, but so much comedy now is all basically some version of uh, awkward. Like it's yeah. so much comedy. Yeah. It's just like, what if we created an awkward situation that was awkward and then our characters stood around being uncomfortable in that awkward situation. And like, I miss the like, no, no, give me a clever like setup and punchline. You know, tell me yeah. a joke. Like, you know, again, you mentioned like Blazing Saddles. Like that is Mel Brooks like through and through, right? Or Steve Martin would yeah. do this stuff. Like I want like, you know, that. And this movie is I mean, they were going out of their way to do an older style of comedy from even, you know, 30, 40 years before 1985 when this movie came out. Right. They're really hearkening back to like Mm -hmm. black and white stuff. Yeah. And it works like there's something fun about these dad jokes that they do. They're just terrible little stupid jokes, but they work for some reason. It's the way they're delivered. It's like you need actors who understand how to deliver this stuff. And I think it helps that the director was you know, a theater guy. This was his first movie. Uh, I mean, obviously he wrote a lot of the script is, is attributable to him. Um, Tim Curry mentioned in that interview that he, they knew each other. They went to high school together. Mm-hmm. He and the, the writer director on this, um, Lynn and um, Jonathan Lynn. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it shows like that, like as like Rich and I mean, I know you and I are both like kind of students of comedy, like the, the machinery of this, like anybody can stand around looking awkward. Um, it takes an extra talent to be able to not just deliver any punchline, but to have, like you said, they're Amy, they're, they're corny jokes. A lot of them. Yeah. Like, and I lost my mommy and daddy in the war. Like mm-hmm. that's not funny, but the way he delivers it is like hilarious. Like all these little yeah. like punny jokes. Yeah. Yeah. They're dad jokes, right? I mean, they're, it's yeah. vaudevillian stuff and it, but that to me is what makes it so impressive is that you got all of this humor layered on top of the murder mystery mm-hmm. um, to like yeah. drive it. And again, all of this like incredible work and dedication to a board game adaptation. <laughs> yeah. No one put this thought in care when they made Battleship the movie. <laughs> they did not. Yep. <laughs> uh, but whenever they make Hungry Hungry Hippos the movie, they better cast some good people. Oh, Doug, your, um, your special reel will have to be Guess Who. Guess who? Did you oh, ever see that, Rich? I can't. I, well, I can't claim no. credit for this. I I was just you know in it for like a fraction of a second. But um, we at our old improv theater, they would do um, they did these like video making competitions amongst the, amongst like the cast, like not even really for the audience necessarily, just for themselves. They would do these things, and there'd be a theme for the week, and they would go out and make these videos. And I forget what it, what the theme was. It must have been a, some kind of like you know adapt a, a, a game. It, I think toy. it was adapt a board game. Adapt a board game. Yeah. And and they made guess who the board game as you know this like 
again, like almost usual like the, suspects. Yeah, as, this is still like a murder mystery kind of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, our buddy uh, and uh, friend of the show and, and uh, guest Dan Oster was in it, um, playing a character in there. A um, bunch of guys I know from the old improv days were in it. It's very, very funny. Um, but that obviously was a joke adaptation. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I don't think you could actually sustain a Guess Who movie that way. But this works. Like, this actually works as a movie. Like, in, in a way that, like, yeah. I don't know, if you were to, if you're to adapt Monopoly... I don't know that it would work this well. You know, I'm not saying it's impossible. That Barbie movie was pretty good, but like it, it is impressive. They take something that's this thin and then made something this good out of it. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, I, you talk about like vaudeville and stuff. I mean, you know, one of the best sketches of all time, I still think is who's on first. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of who's on first influence uh, and probably other sketches at the time, but just like the wordplay, the back and forth, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, as you said, you really needed actors who understood how to not just deliver their lines, but to deliver in rhythm with someone else in a way that was really uh, stylized specifically. Yeah. I, again, we're not doing it justice by talking about it. You have to just watch this and see how they do it because it's what makes this movie a classic. And it's, I'm glad people found it over the years and now it's like you know oh yeah everybody's seen it now mm-hmm. you know like it found it it finally found its audience and i feel like you know um you know when our kids are older i think they'll they'll dig they'll it really like it yeah i posted something on my instagram today just to kind of tease it and i got so many comments back about like i loved that movie or so and so my husband loved that movie so it's just like the movie for people that are our age for sure um, I'd be yeah. curious to see if people in their 20s and 30s also have that kind of same affection for the movie. I mean, I think what makes it special that way is it really is one of a kind. Um, that you know, the, yeah. there are murder mysteries, there are even comedy murder mysteries, um, but there's nothing that quite does all of these things as well as this movie does. Mm-hmm. It's just very impressive. Yeah. So we've been kind of uh, talking around it, but Rich, you know, in your opinion, you know. Why do you think we're still talking about Clue almost 40 years after it came out? It was, I mean, it's very classic movie. Being a period piece helps because it doesn't feel quite as dated as some other 80s movies might. Uh, And I just think that, as you said, it's very original. It's unlike any other movie I can really think of. I mean, Johnny Dangerously kind of in the same world. There's a movie called Oscar from 1990. It's kind of borders, but really there's no other movie that I would that I would go, oh, Clue is a lot like this, you know, but different. It's really not. It stands on its own. And I think that uniqueness, uh, and not just being unique for unique sake, but being unique and be very funny and, and very smart. And especially for people in our generation who saw it as young kids, you know, I think a lot of us nerds were like, oh, we got the jokes that maybe some uh, people that we, you know, other people wouldn't, they wouldn't even waste their time to try and decipher it. They'd be like, I don't get it. It's, I, don't, I don't understand. But like, we're like, oh, oh, I see what he did. And he, that was fun. And then he met this and that and the other. And like, I know that I, I kind of felt like I was in a little secret club of people who liked Clue versus didn't. Aim, how about you? Yeah, I think... Um... We already kind of touched on everything, but just like this cast who worked extraordinarily well together, who must have practiced like a lot to kind of get that timing down um, and and just like a really fun, like you said, rich, clever script. And this is just like the humor, like the humor that I like that just this silly humor, but it's very universal. 
Yeah, I, I mean, this movie has so many ingredients that are in other great comedies, but very few movies would have all of them together. And, you know, the, the added fun thing about a mystery is, you know, wanting to know who did it, right? You're trying to solve the mystery along with the characters. And in doing that, you get so swept up in it. And beyond that, you have, again, these like powerhouse comedic performances that are like the the flourishes of this stuff, right? They're like, not as it just kind of like generally funny as you go along, but then they come up with these things like the Tim Curry exposition thing uh, at the end or, or Madeline Kahn's speech where these people really kind of take a chance to like just, you know, let me crack my knuckles here and do something really fucking funny. You wait till you see me do this. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. T- again, like we can't say enough good things about Tim Curry generally, but in, in this movie in particular, um, I can see why he cited it as, as one of his favorites because he gets so much to do and he gets to really show off his, his chops. And um, I just, again, as someone who like spend a lot of time thinking about like, not just comedy, but like, how does comedy actually work under the hood? Um, there's so much here to appreciate. It's it's just so special. And so whether you're someone who's really watching all of those fine details or just enjoying it as a movie, um, the, the charm of this thing is hard to ignore. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really special piece of filmmaking. Uh, so we've come to the end here, Rich. So um, if you, uh, Rich, where can people find your good stuff if they want to hear more of you? Well, thank you. Uh, go to richbakercoaching.com or follow me on Instagram or Facebook at richbakercoaching. Aim? Uh, I make handmade clay jewelry. If you want to find me, you can find me at Momo Bunnies More Co. on Instagram and Twitter. And I That's not true. Instagram and TikTok. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so uh, so a couple bit of admin things here on our side. One, of course, if you like the show, if uh, I, you know, please do drop it a review on iTunes or wherever you found it. Um, take the t- it doesn't take long to do, but it does really do a lot to help increase the visibility of the show so other people can find it and enjoy it. So please do uh, do that. Um, in terms of our schedule, so this the plan is to slot this at the end of our Tim Curry run, which was... Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Muppet Treasure Island, and this. Coming up next is Batman 89 uh, from Doing This Right. And then after that, I've got a couple of episodes in the works which, uh, on things that'll be fun. So we've got one uh, coming up I'm going to do on Care Bears, that franchise. Um, uh, one on the 16-bit era of Disney video games with uh, old friend Eileen and another guest, um, Eileen Mays. So uh, we'll be talking specifically about the uh, Aladdin game, the uh, uh, Lion King one, and Mickey's Castle of Illusion. So that early 90s run of like cool uh, Disney games. Uh, and then another video game one, um, uh, I was invited to do a guest shot on a show called Teamworks. Uh, so I went on their show and they're going to come on our show. And he's bringing with him a childhood favorite of his, which is uh, Crash Bandicoot, which tells me how old I am because that game is from the late 90s and it was a childhood favorite of his. So uh, we're all just marching towards the grave. Anyway, um, uh, if you want to uh, find us on the socials, I, I put links to all that in the show notes. But basically we are on uh, X, uh, really Twitter at Nostalgian Pod. We're also on um, Blue Sky at Nostalgian Pod, and then we're on Threads and Instagram at just Nostalgia Arcanum. And if you're going to go to any of those, please go to the Instagram one uh, because that's where I post all the bonus stuff, and uh, so that is a good place to find us. Um, 
guys, I, I'm so glad we got to do this. Um, we, we've been talking about this one and Clueless for a while, so we'll have to come back Ooh. and do Clueless soon. Uh, Clue and Clueless. Um, but yeah, I, I just love uh, having you guys on. It's, it's always fun to have both of you together, too. It's a, a great pairing. It's always fun to be oh, it's on. It's a blast. Thanks, always. All right, guys. Well, that'll do it for tonight. And uh, long story short. <laughs> too, too, I'm waiting for Rich to do it with me. Too, too, late. too late. Too late. This is hard to too do late. on a Zoom call, guys. <laughs> oh, too late. Yeah. Too, too late. Damn it. All All right. Right. So, we'll work uh, on it. We'll get it better next time. All right. Until one uh, next time, that is one more entry. All right. I'm going to go sleep with my wife. All right. <laughs> until, one, until next time, that is one more entry in the Nostalgium Arcanum. said they had a block party last night. Everybody in the gated community was here. Then everyone's a suspect. <laughs> Corrugated steel. Security cameras everywhere. The only way in is through the front gate. How do we fit the same description? Only 24 people had key card access. Alex. Alfred. Anita. Anne. No, no, no. You ain't cuffing me unless you buy me dinner. Tom. Herman. And Peter, the old queen. She's stable, but she's shell-shocked. She'll only answer yes or no questions. I guess we'll have to ask the right ones. The person who attacked you, were they wearing glasses? Did the person have a neck beard? Come on, give me something! They have big lips. Hair unnaturally orange. Where do you think you are? You're a long way from home. This ain't Candyland. We police our own. I just moved here. You're just gonna keep guessing and guessing and guessing. Did this person have a hat? <laughs> and guessing. Was the hat brimless? Was the hat brimless? We got him. Thank you, ma'am. You're free to go. The person we're looking for is Bernard Mishkin. person who attacked you, were they wearing glasses? What about rosy cheeks? Were they flushed? What do you mean you don't know where he is? They have big lips. Hair unnaturally orange. Did this person have a hat? Was the hat brimless? Was the hat brimless? Boss, Bernard died of a heart attack a week ago. Did you ask if it was a man or a woman? I thought you did. 